It's an honor and a privilege to have everybody here at Florence. Can we show some love and welcome our Lawrenceburg Faith Church family? Lawrenceburg, we love you. Shoals, it's good to have you guys in the house. All of our guests, VIPs, people watching online, thanks so much. We hope you're tuning in, not for me or songs or coffee. Come on, we said every week, we believe that Jesus is the hope of the world. So whoever you are, whatever you're going through, your issue, your hurt, your heartache, your habit, we believe you open up your life to Jesus, it'll be the greatest decision you've ever made. Come on, how many people already experienced that and know it's true? Come on, make some noise. Well, listen, we, uh, we are on the cusp of finishing up this series next week, about halfway through. Today, we're continuing a series we started a few weeks ago, entitled Class is in session. And obviously, again, we're taking this, uh, this series. We are in school season. Everybody, I believe, at least underneath uh, where we're at in our region, everybody is back to school from college all the way down. And I know that uh, obviously with school starting back, football season is, is in full swing. I know a lot of uh, high schools played. But I'm excited for some college football coming up this coming weekend. Let's go. Let's go. Good chance for you to get on the Buckeye train. We're playing a real team, Notre Dame. Okay, I think you guys are playing Florence High School. Is that the first game for you guys? I hope you win. Hope you can win that one. Yeah. Tennessee Vols playing Ball State. Woo. Anyways. Anyways. But it's that time of the year. We're excited. And so here's where we're going in this series. If you've not been here, man, we're excited you're here. If you've been here, the journey is this conversation that we've been having with Jesus. That for Jesus, he went through a season of life that class was in session. In Luke chapter 2, verse 52, there's one verse that really takes over 18 years of the life of Jesus. He was born, we know that, we know age 12, he shows up for a minute in the gospels, and then really it goes through this season of silence until he's about 30 years old, and then most of the gospels are three years of his ministry, his life, his teachings, miracles, and ultimately his death and his resurrection. But in this one verse, 18 years, Luke 2.52, it's really important because Jesus is doing something intentionally to get himself ready for the ministry that his father sent him on. In Luke chapter two, verse 52, the verse two words are this. We've been saying this every week. What did Jesus do? Jesus grew. Everybody shout, Jesus grew. Jesus grew. Again, it's this intentional thing that he was doing to prepare him. Class was in session. And we've been talking about the four ways that Jesus grew. Week one, we talked about this, and here's how it says it, Luke 2.52, the entire verse says, Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and with men. And so week one, we talked about what, it, what does it look like to grow in wisdom? Jesus intentionally learned how to make good decisions. That's what wisdom is. Wisdom is the ability to discern the decision you need to make and making the right decision at the right time, the right way. Imagine how your life would be different. Imagine how my life would be different if we made better decisions. And you can grow in wisdom. We talked about how to do that. Last week, I wasn't sure it would land so well, but I'm, I'm glad it did. We talked about growing in stature. This idea that Jesus had to be physically fit in order to fulfill his mission. This cat was putting 20 miles a day on his sandals to do what he had to do, he had to be physically fit, and you have to be physically fit. God's got a mission and a purpose for you. You can't fulfill it if you're dead. And so we have to be healthy. You don't have to have six-pack abs as much as you want them, and I want them, and I don't have them, and you don't have them. Some of you got them, but most of us don't have them. But you can still be physically fit. And I was excited. I heard lots of great feedback that y'all were challenged and encouraged. We um, had one of us, uh, one of the people that go to our church uh, sent me a message and said that they had a record number of gym memberships at their gym. Of which I was like, can a brother get some kickbacks? That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> you know, come on. You scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. 
But hopefully you guys are moving forward again. You don't have to fix it all today, but get healthy. Work on growing in stature. Get yourself physically ready for the mission that God has for you. Today, I want to talk about what I think is probably my favorite in this, uh, in this scripture. If someone can help me, please. We have, uh, there's, there's a verse in this that Jesus says this. The third thing that he grew in was he grew in favor with God. Everybody shout favor with God. Favor with God. Think about this for a minute. What would it look like for you to grow in favor with God? Isn't that a cool idea? The idea that you can grow in favor with God? Man, I started thinking about that and I thought, I don't know about you, but if there's the ability for me to grow in favor with God, like anybody like sign me up, I would love to grow in my favor with God. So what does that look like? Well, you don't have to know a lot about scripture. And if you're new, I don't, I don't say that looking down at you, but if you know just a little bit about scripture, it almost seems like this idea is, is a contradiction of terms. And here's why Jesus grew in favor with God. Well, the word favor is this word grace. Jesus grew in grace with God. The word grace, here's what grace literally means. If you're taking notes and I would encourage you to, grace is the unearned favor of God. What is it? It is the unearned favor of God. You can't earn it. You can't pray enough for it. You can't, you can't give enough. You can't be a good enough person. It's just God's goodness that he chooses to bestow or give to people. So you can't earn it. God just chooses to give it. God gives good because he is good. And so think about this for a minute. If Jesus grew in this grace and in this favor and you can't earn it, how did Jesus get more of it? Isn't that a good question? I'm glad you asked because I'm going to answer it today. Here's the question we're going to tackle today is how can a person earn more of what they can't earn? Let me say that again. If Jesus grew in grace, if he found out a way to get a hold of, grasp more grace, more favor in his life and you can't earn it, well, how can you earn what it looks like you can't earn? I think that's interesting. So in, in the Bible, there's when it talks a lot about the New Testament is littered, the Bible all over, but the New Testament is littered with grace. And when it talks about grace, there's really primarily three ways to talk about grace or three manifestations or three different types of grace in the Bible. I'm going to give them to you. The first one, here they are, these three, you can write them down. It's a shared grace, saving grace, and special grace. Let's say that together. What is it? It's a shared grace, saving grace, and special grace. Now, a shared grace, if you've never heard of this before, the theological term for all of you guys that maybe are in that vein is prevenient grace, common grace. It's this idea that God has given every single person on the planet. It is God's undeserved favor on all of humanity. You don't even have to believe in God. You don't have to love God. God's shared grace is on every person. The moment you're, born, the moment you're born, God's common grace, his shared grace is on you. It is for theists and atheists and Buddhists and Muslims and Christians. It's for people of all races, colors, and creeds. It's this idea that God's goodness is on you just because he loves you as a person. If you woke up this morning with breath in your lungs, that was the grace of God. If you had a roof over your head, that was the grace of God. If you had food to eat, that was the grace of God. Come on, you didn't earn none of that. I know you thought you did, but it was all the grace of God. If you had legs to walk on, if you had a car to drive in, if you had a house of worship to show up, that is all the grace of God. Is anybody thankful for the grace of God on our lives? We all have it. And if you're here and you don't recognize as God yet, I hope you bump into the goodness of God. Then you recognize where the grace comes from. And so that's this common grace, this, this shared grace that all of us have. Again, all you have to do to qualify for it is be born. And then there's saving grace. Saving grace is the unearned favor of God that's on all Christians' lives. 
It's this idea that what is saving grace? Saving grace is God's gift of salvation. That you can't earn salvation. You can be a good person, but you can never be good enough to earn salvation. We all sin, we all fall short. And the only thing that makes us children of God is the goodness of God that comes through a gift. And so if you're here and you belong to Jesus, you know he loves you. If you're a child of God, you got that way because of the saving grace of Jesus. Here's the way, uh, let me back up. Acts chapter 17 in the first one, let me make sure I read this first, says this, for in him we live and we move and we exist. Again, that's shared grace. It's just, if you woke up, if you're moving, if you have strength in your body, that is again, shared grace. Then Ephesians two says this, saving grace, says this, it says, God saved you by his grace. Everybody gotta help me out. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. So again, it's this idea when you come to God, you can't do anything to earn the gift of salvation, but he just gives it to you. It's his goodness. It's a gift. You can't earn it because grace is unearned favor. So track with me. There is this shared grace everybody has. You didn't earn it. When you come to Jesus, you have saving grace. You didn't earn it. It's just a gift from God that you received by faith. But then there is this special grace. Special grace is the unearned favor of God that's available to every person. And just because it's available doesn't mean you have it. Special grace is this idea. It's what makes the impossible possible. It's the special grace of God that makes miracles possible. It's the special grace of God that opens doors. It's the special grace of God that causes you to have good success and prosper. It's the special grace of God that gives you the strength to stand when you want to tap out and give up. It's the special grace of God that shows up and breaks through when you don't have the capacity to break through on your own. It's the special grace of God, come on somebody, that gives you provision when you don't know where else to turn to. It's the special grace of God that makes a way when there seems to be no way. Come on, has anybody here ever experienced the special grace of God showing up in a season or a situation in your life. Come on, make some noise for a good God for special grace. So it's his miracles, it's his strength, it's his provision, it's, it's everything that comes with who God is when you open up your life to him. It's just special grace. Now, you can't grow in the first two. Shared grace, everybody has. You have it the moment you're born. Saving grace, you either have it or you don't. When you come to Jesus, you have it. So when the Bible says that Jesus grew in favor, Jesus grew in grace with God, I think what it's talking about is that Jesus grew in this special grace. And so I want to figure out, I want to lean into, I want to learn how to grow in grace. If Jesus can do it, you can do it and I can do it. And so again, here's the question. How can a person earn more of what they can earn? How do we do that? What's that look like? Well, let me give you just by way of illustration. When I was probably five or six years old, I remember being outside playing. Anybody remember the good old days when you went outside? Let's give it up for outside. I mean, we didn't stay inside because there's a lot of cool stuff to do inside that we didn't have. Like, you know, now you have like fifth generation gaming systems with 5K televisions. Like we had Pong. Anybody here old enough to remember like boop, boop, boop. Those were the sound effects of our gaming system. Some of you just, you're like, I don't know what you're talking about. You're old. I know, I know. So we were outside playing one day. I remember this out in the front yard playing a game or whatever. And I remember I looked down and lo and behold, in, in our grass, there's all these clovers. We didn't have weed control. So you just got whatever green grew in your yard. You know what I'm talking about? And I looked down and there's a four leaf clover. What? Wow. I never found one before. I was excited. I reached down, picked this four leaf clover. This little kid ran in and showed my mom. I was so excited. Look, mom, I found a four leaf clover. I was like the leprechaun of the family. Mom's like, oh my gosh, you found a four-leaf clover. I mean, it's just uncommon. 
Anybody here ever find a four-leaf clover before? A couple of you? And so kind of amazing. I was, I was pretty impressed. And so I went out and I started looking. And over the next probably three, four months, I don't remember, it's been a long time, but over a pretty short period of time, I didn't find one or two or three or four. I don't remember. I found like six, seven, eight four-leaf clovers. And it was amazing. And I, every time I found one, I would run in and show my mom. And it's back in the day, she would take it and fold it and put it in the big fat dictionary we had in the house. And she kept, she may still have them today, who knows. But then like family would come over and you're talking about politics or family memories. And it would come, did we tell you Stephen found five four-leaf clovers? I was like the, you know, I was like the celebrity of the family. Now, because, right, I mean, at that time, we didn't know Jesus, so like somehow it was associated with luck. Now, I know it has nothing to do with luck, but it's just the idea. If you don't know, four-leaf clovers are pretty rare. One in 10,000 clovers are four-leaf clovers. So if you find one, you found something pretty rare. To find as many as I found, it was really exceptional. But here's the secret I want you to know, is once I found the first one, I started looking for more. And once I found two or three, I didn't just start looking. I remember as a little kid, I'm going down on my hands and knees and I'm like flipping through. So I just, here's why don't you hear this. This is important. Is that the four leaf clovers were really available for anybody to find. But the reason I found as many as I found is because I was looking for them. So if you're taking those, you can't purchase favor, but you can position yourself for favor. If you'll put yourself in the place where God is moving, you can experience the grace of God. It's not that he's keeping you from me. It's not that he's keeping it from you. It's that some of us are not in the position to experience the special grace of God. And if you'll put yourself in the position, you can grow in the special grace of God. Come on, somebody. You can grow. You just got to put yourself in position. You just got to show up and you got to be there. And so I want to lean into a story. It's found in John chapter nine. And I want us to see how this thing plays out. John chapter nine is the story of this guy who's born blind and Jesus heals him because that's what he does. John chapter nine, verse one through three says this. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Rabbi, his disciples asked him, I want you to listen to this question. Why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? Jesus said it was not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. This happened so the power of God could be seen in him. Now, the disciples ask a pretty curious question. And here's the question is, Hey, someone must have did something wrong, then that's why God's punishing this guy. Who sinned? Who, who deserved the wrath of God that this guy was? Was it his sin or was his parents' sin? Here's why, because in, in, in the first century, and unfortunately here in the 21st century, we have the mindset that everything we have, we earned. That if life is going bad, it's because we've earned the punishment of God. And sometimes it's not the punishment of God. It's just life sucks and life is hard and we live in a broken world. And unfortunately, sometimes bad things happen to good people. You didn't earn it. You didn't do anything. It just life happened. And so the disciples who believe that if you have bad, it's because God gave you bad because you deserve it. Also, if you found someone who had money, if someone had a lot of bling, if they were rolling in the newest uh, horse and buggy, whatever, <laughs> if they had the hottest mule of the day, it's because that God blessed them because they were living right. So if you got bad, it's because God gave you bad because you deserve bad. And if you had good, it's because God gave you good because you earned good. And what you need to hear is Jesus said, no, nobody sinned. He's saying just life happens. What you need to hear in the front of the end of this story is this guy didn't do anything to deserve his blindness and couldn't do anything to earn his eyesight. You can't earn it, but watch. He goes, goes through and says this now, verse six and verse seven. 
This is how bad do you want healed right here? This is that kind of miracle. Then Jesus spit on the ground and made mud with saliva and spread the mud over the blind, man, blind man's eyes. How bad do you want healed? Some of you are like, not that bad. <laughs> but watch this. Then he told him, everybody read this with me. Go and wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. So the man went and washed and came back seeing. You know what this man experienced? He experienced the ability to see when he was blind. You know what that is? That's the special grace of God. It makes the impossible possible. What this man experienced was a miracle. Here's the question we're trying to tackle. What did this man do to earn what you can't earn? What did he do to earn it? It wasn't his strength. It wasn't his ability. That was all Jesus. But he did do something. You can't purchase it, but you can put yourself in position for it. And what this man did is found in three words. The man went. He, Jesus is like, hey, listen, I'm gonna make a mud pie and smash it in your eye. I rhymed that on person, purpose. So he puts, spits, mud, smash it. And then he tells him, now go wash yourself in the pool. Here's a question. What would have happened had he not obeyed Jesus? He probably would have not received a miracle, which means he didn't really do anything to earn it. But what he did was he put himself first in position with Jesus. Number two, then he obeyed Jesus. And when he sat with Jesus and obeyed Jesus, it ended up with the special grace of God showing up. Come on, somebody. All he did was say, I'll go where you're telling me to go because that's where the anointing is. That's where the breakthrough is. That's where the victory is. If you came over to my house, and knocked on my door, which that's not an invitation. <laughs> and I answered the door, which I probably wouldn't because we don't answer the door anymore. <laughs> not us. Come on. Who answers the door anymore? Nobody. Nobody. My ring will pick you up. It's a package. Leave it. <laughs> but if by chance you showed up and if by chance I opened the door with this illustration seems really far-fetched at this point and I opened the door and I knew who you are and said, hey, and I call you by name. Hey, Dustin. But if I don't know who you are, I'd be like, hey, hey, brother, <laughs> sister, it's good to see you. And if I let you in my house, which at that point, how could I help but not to? If you knocked on the door, I opened the door, I let you in. I would certainly show you how. So, hey, man, come on in. And I would sit you down. And one of the things, at least the way I was taught, probably the way you were taught, is you offer somebody something to drink. Hey, man, come on. Would you like something to drink? Hey, we got Coke. We got Diet Coke. We got sugar-free. We got water. We got... And I list it all off. And here's what I would tell you, at least for the sake of this illustration. Hey, go over to the refrigerator and get whatever you want. Have whatever you want. Now I want you to know something. I'm offering you what I have to quench your thirst. It's my house, my refrigerator, my power. I'm the one who purchased the liquid beverage. But you will not have your thirst satisfied unless you're willing to put yourself in place, in position in front of the refrigerator and get it. Are y'all trying? What I'm telling you is I provided it, but you have to position yourself to have it. I just want everybody to know something that the God we serve is still on the move. He's still doing miracles. He's still opening doors. He's still giving strength. He's still providing. But some of us aren't experiencing the grace of God because we're not in the position to have it. Come on, somebody. You can't purchase favor, but you can position yourself for favor. Are you positioned for favor? Let's talk about real practically what that means. So in, in, in the gospel of Matthew, Jesus gives us the Beatitudes. It's this idea of the character in people. It's the heart of people. It's the life we live that honors God. But I, what I want you to see is in the nine Beatitudes, all nine of them start with this word blessed. Everybody shout blessed. Blessed is grace, favor. God is saying, these are the people that I pour my grace out on. And he says things like this. 
Blessed are the humble. It's the humble that find favor. It's the humble that find grace. Why? It's because, watch this, because if you're going through life and you get yourself in a situation where you're way over your head and you don't know how to handle it and your solution is to run to Facebook and cry while you'll get the, while you'll get the emojis of crying eyes and people will tell you they're praying for you and most of them aren't, the most they're gonna do is tell you they're praying for you. I'm just, I'm just talking, can I be real? But I'm telling you, if you will go and put yourself, instead of putting yourself on Facebook and social media, if you'll put yourself in, in, on your knees and say, God, I can't do anything with this. The Bible says, if you'll humble yourself in the presence of God, he says, come on, he will exalt you. He'll raise you up. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. On your knees is the place of grace. Come on, somebody. If you want to experience God pouring out, saying strength in the situation you're in, put yourself on your knees. That's where grace is. Blessed are the humble. Blessed are the merciful. I sometimes wrestle with having a very empathetic heart. Anybody else with me? Uh, some, of you got, some of you got it and you got it because it's God's grace. Don't, don't look at you me like you're better than me. <laughs> but when you insert yourself in a situation where you want to help somebody find mercy, somebody that done tapped their family out, they've been a drug addict for 15 years and they robbed everybody and stolen life from everybody. And you're like, I'm gonna insert myself in that person's life and I'm gonna love them. You know what God says? God says, I'm gonna give you grace to love them. I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna give you my power to make a dip. Come on, somebody. Why? Because you're inserting yourself in the place that God's moving. The Bible says that God... Blessed are the peacemakers. Anybody in this room find yourself, sometimes you always find yourself in the, in, the, in the gap between two people fighting. Like you always feel like you're trying to bridge the gap. You're always trying to make people hold it. Like you're the, you're the common sense person in the family. Everybody else is losing their mind. You're the person like, hey, everybody, come on. You know what you are? You're the peacemaker. I want you all to hear this. This is real talk. God is saying, if you'll insert yourself in conflict, nobody wants to be in conflict, but this world needs peace. And this peace always doesn't come in the ethereal. It comes through the body of Jesus. And God says, if you'll put yourself in between conflict, God says, I'll bless you. I'll anoint you and I'll grace you to bring peace to conflict. Why? Blessed are the peacemakers. Come on, somebody. If you'll position yourself, you can experience what would be impossible becomes possible. His anointing, his grace, his strength, his provision. God just continues to show up. Like we know where to find everything, don't we? If I was asked you, where's the party at? Some of you ain't been saved too long and you could still tell me. <laughs> Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about. Hey, where's the party at? Like you already know the address. You already know who I should call. Come on. If I said, where's the party at? Some of you could tell me. If I was to say, hey, where can I grab a good meal at? Some of you know, pastor, you need to hit this spot. If I was to say, hey, where can I go shopping at? Man, I'm looking for a new outfit. Where can I go? Some of you know. Let me ask you a question. Where's the favor at? If you can't ask that question, you're in trouble. If you know where the food's at, but you don't know where the favor's at, you're in trouble. Where do you find favor at? You find favor when you position yourself in the place where God is already moving, in the place where God is already sort. God is looking to partner with you, and he's not going to pull you into what he's doing without giving you the strength and the ability and the gifting and the provision to do it. Come on, somebody. God wants to position you so he can bless you, so he can pour grace out on you. All of these people you read in the Gospels who got healed, Think about all the people that lived in the area Jesus ministered. Some got healed and some didn't. Why? Because some positioned themselves to be where they knew Jesus was gonna be. There was a man blind Bartimaeus who also could not see and he didn't stay home. He went and found where Jesus was gonna be, positioned himself on the side of the road and when Jesus came by, he screamed until he got the attention of Jesus. And you know what happened? 
He experienced special grace. He experienced a miracle. Jesus opened his eyes. Why? Because he positioned himself. He didn't earn it. He couldn't purchase it, but he positioned himself to experience a miracle. Are you positioned in your life to experience a miracle? God is not done working miracles. I don't care what this world says. God is not done with you. God is not done with the supernatural. God is not done with miracles. God still changes lives. God still transforms. God still makes a way. God still provides. At some point, we got to put ourselves back in the place where we are positioning. Psalm 1 verse 1 gives us kind of the flip side. So the Beatitudes are God saying, these are the people I bless. Listen to Psalm 1 verse 1. It says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. He's saying, man, if, if you are investing or spending your life or living like those who don't recognize God, those who rebel against God, you'll never experience special grace. It's until you align your, until you put yourself in the place where God is moving. It's until you show up and align yourself. So if you're taking notes, growing in grace, what does it mean? Growing in grace is intentionally and increasingly putting yourself in God's plan where you can experience God's power. Let me say that again. Growing in grace, let's read it together, is intentionally and increasingly putting yourself in God's plan where you can experience God's power what would happen? This is what Jesus did. How did Jesus grow in grace? Because Jesus said, I'm going to do what the father sent me to do. I didn't read it, but in the story we read in John chapter nine, Jesus actually says this from the time they see the man until he heals man. Jesus says this to his disciples. We have to go to him and his disciples. We have to go do what the father sent us here to do. What he was saying was, I'm going to go where the father's sending me. And if I find myself in the father's will, that's where I experience the father's power. Why did Jesus heal? Why did Jesus do what he did? He was divine. He was God's son, but he experienced it in the power of the spirit, the same Holy Spirit that's in you and I. Jesus said, I'm just going to be where the father's moving. And you know what I'm going to see? I'm going to see miracles and I'm going to see life change happen. What would happen if we as a church tomorrow, if we found ourselves in a conversation, if we found ourselves in an opportunity where we inserted ourselves. I'm just telling you, you would experience supernatural grace and strength. You would experience special grace. I know as, as a pastor, when you look again at everything that God's done in this house, I just want you to, I don't take credit for any of it. On one hand, while I'm working hard and I'm grinding and I'm trying to be a better leader and a better pastor and a better boss and everything that God requires of me, when I look back over 10 years just at this house, how God has grown this church and exploded this church and we've seen more people come and more resources come and more finances come and more ministry happen, I want you to know something. There's times that like, I can just feel like there is this crushing weight because I'm concerned I might fail. I'm concerned I might mess it up. I'm concerned I might steer this ship into a, come on, into a rock. I feel the weight of that. But I want you to know something. The reason I can experience the goodness of God is because I'm in the will of God. I believe on one hand tomorrow, I might be able to go do something else. I can quit this. I believe maybe I could go succeed at something else. But here's what I know is the reason I see the success I see as the pastor that I am at Faith Church is not because of who I am or because of what I do. It's because of who he is and what he empowers me to do when I put myself in the call of God. Are you in the call of God on your life? Come on, somebody. Come on, what would happen if you said, God, I'm going to do it? I just want you to know, listen, 
Some of you in this place, you're like, pastor, I can't afford to be generous. You will never experience how generous you can be until you put yourself in a spirit of generosity. Because when you look at your pocketbook, you'll never do it. But when you look at the provision of your God, God says, listen to me, he who's faithful and little, I'll make you ruler over much. What he's saying is if you'll be generous in the little bit you have, you'll experience how much I'll pour out my provision on you so you can really be generous. That is what special grace is about. Some of you, come on, aren't serving yet. And I know because you're like, pastor, you don't understand. I'm already getting up every day at 5.30 in the morning and I got kids I got to get to school and I work a 12-hour job and I'm, I'm grinding and I got to take care of dinner when I get home and I'm trying to get to the gym to do week two, that whole, that whole thing there on stature. The last thing I can do, pastor, is show up on a Sunday and like, I just need to sleep in and I just need to show up and just sit down. And the reason you think that is because you've not put yourself in the place where God is moving. If you said, God, I'm not going to show up and just sit, but I'm going to show up and serve. What you would find out is what you thought you would tap out of. You have the supernatural strength to sustain it and keep on doing it. Why? Because God pours out his grace when you position yourself where he's moving. All of a sudden, you'll find out that Sunday's your favorite day, that you get up at five when you didn't even mean to, when you show up early with a smile on your face when you want to quit, but you know why? Because of the grace of God on your life to carry out the mission of changing lives on planet earth. Come on, somebody. What would happen? What would happen? What would happen this week? What would happen this week, Lawrenceburg and Shoals, if you engaged in a conversation and you were just bold enough and daring enough to share your faith in who Jesus is? I know we live in a world that tells you to shut your mouth, tells you they, they don't want to hear it. The world we live in tells us that like all truth is equal. It's all relative. It's not. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And until somebody is bold enough to open their mouth and share the goodness of the gospel and the goodness of God, and I know you, like, pastor, I don't know enough. I've got questions of my own. I'm not sure I can answer it. Listen, you don't have to have all the answers. All you have to do is have an experience. And if you'll tell somebody else what Jesus has done for you, that's sharing the gospel. And I'm telling you, if you will find yourself in that conversation, what you'll find is that went way better than I thought. That, went, that was easier than I thought. Why? It's not because you were, you were better at it than you, were, than you thought. It's because God put grace on you. All of a sudden, God gave you the words and God put, just, God put the right person in front of you and you knew how to maneuver. Come on, anybody here ever experienced God show up in a conversation? You're like, man, I'm pretty good at this thing. If I ever thought I couldn't do what I do on this platform just based on who I am, I would never stand on a platform. There was a time in my life, one of my first electives in college was I had public speaking and I couldn't get in front of people. My face would turn real red now it does because I talk hard and fast. But back then it's because I was embarrassed and I was shaky and I just didn't know what to say. But I can get on a platform and preach. Why? Because of the grace of God, because I positioned myself. What would happen if with your words, with your money, you position people? Let me give you one more. Do you know the Bible says that, that we lay hands on the sick? and they recover. You say, I've never experienced that. You know why? Because you probably never laid hands on anybody. Am I promising you every single person you pray for will get healed? Nope. But here's what I know is the more people you lay hands on, the more likely they are to get healed. Why? Because Jesus said, go lay hands on the sick. And so when you put yourself with a brother or sister who's just struggling, well, pastor, I don't really know how to, I hardly pray my, I know. That's why we don't experience the grace of God is because we're so afraid to put ourselves there. But I'm telling you, once you put yourself there and you experience the power of God and the strength of God and the goodness of God and the mercy of God and the provision of God and the, the provision that opens door. Some of you, you had a dream on your life and you're afraid to take a step, but you'll never figure out how God can open doors until you take a step. That's the grace of God opening doors for his kids. Come on. What would it look like if you positioned yourself? So Jesus grew in wisdom and stature, and he grew in favor. 
He couldn't earn it, but he just kept putting himself. Where's the father moving? What does it look like? Where's the kingdom coming? And he kept putting himself there and God just kept shining through his son. Now, the difference in this conversation is a lot of you, when I started talking about the favor of God, you thought I was talking about favors from God. Now, I'm not, that's, that's 21st century American Christianity is we think God is just in heaven up there to do us favors. I'm not talking about favors from God. I'm talking about the favor of God where God uses you, where you don't use him. Not where like, hey, God, I'm going over here. Come bless me. No, God says, hey, I'm over here. If you come over here, I will bless you. I'm going to put myself in situations. I'm going to put myself in conversations. I'm going to put myself where the father, if he tells me to go wash at the pool, I don't know, but here's what I know is when I get there, miracles are going to happen. Come on, some of you will experience miracles if you'll put yourself in the place where God is moving. How many people want more favor? Come on. Now, let me give you the bad news. <laughs> is sometimes, sometimes following Jesus gets us in trouble. Sometimes following Jesus will make things worse before it makes things better. I mean, Jesus did everything the Father called him to do and it led him to the cross. So this is not magic again. That's 21st century American Christianity. Like everything always just works out exactly how we want. No, what I'm telling you is that, again, when you put yourself where God is working, ultimately grace will show up in that place. Grace will show up in that place. Out of the nine Beatitudes, the last two are pretty rough. Let me give you number eight. Listen to what it says. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right. Next verse, please. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right. Does that sound like a good thing? So I'm doing right and I'm suffering, I'm getting canceled, I'm getting persecuted. Pass, I'm out. I'm out. But I want you to hear the rest of the verse. While it sounds like following Jesus gets you in trouble and sometimes it will, listen to the rest. Here's the blessing. The blessing isn't the persecution. The blessing is what follows. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Jesus is saying, you will experience my presence in a way that you can only experience in persecution. And God says, you find yourself in a season of serving me and it's going sideways. Your family's writing you off. Culture's canceling you. It might've cost you a job or a contract. God says, but in that moment, you're gonna find out that my special grace is gonna give you the ability not to tap out, not to walk away, not to give up, not to resign your love for Jesus, but to hold on and hold strong and know that God is holding on to you. That's special grace. And Paul experienced this. If you don't know who Paul is, Paul was this guy who didn't love Jesus, hated Jesus, didn't believe he was the Messiah and had this radical encounter, changed his life. From the inside out, he knew in a moment Jesus was the savior of the world. And he determined his mission was I'm gonna spread the gospel to everybody. And just pick it, that was his call. And the more he did what God called him to do, the more fruit he had, the more benefit he had, the more breakthrough he had, the more it multiplied. Why? Because God's grace is on his will. But it didn't always go good. Sometimes he would go into a city and they would stone him beat him or curse him. And finally he reaches this place where he's like, God, I've had enough. 
I've done everything you called me to do. I've gone to every city you told me to go to. I, I preach everywhere I go. And all I'm getting is a bunch of persecution. I'm out. You got to do something. You got to, I'll keep doing what, you, what you're telling me to do, but you got to take the negative side out. And this is what he says. This is the conversation in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Three different times, watch this. Three different times, I begged the Lord to take it away. Lord, I'm doing what you told me to do. Pastor said that grace would show up. Ain't nothing but pain and heartache showing up. I'm out. You got to take the mess away. You got to take, my husband's got a bad attitude. You got to get him out of the marriage. My kids, they're making me lose my mind. You got to do something with them. My boss, I know you put me on this job, but I'm going to punch my boss in the face. You got to do something with him. We talk real here, Faith Church. Everybody here ever, ever pray a prayer, God, you got to do something with the mess. You're doing what God called you to do, but it's messy. Listen, so three different times, I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, come on, read it with me. My grace is all you need. My power works best in your weakness. He's saying your problem is my platform or your platform for the power of God. He's saying like, when you put yourself in a place, grace will always show up. So if you got there, God's saying, I'm gonna give you the grace to stay in the place where you can experience my goodness. I'm gonna give you grace. It's enough. It's enough. It's enough to keep you in school. It's enough to keep you in the career. It's enough to keep you in your call. It's enough to be obedient. But you will never discover how good the grace of God will be until you put yourself in the place to experience it. Four leaf clovers, multiple, only come to people who are willing to put themselves on the knees and look for them in the grace of God. It's available to everybody, but it only comes to those who are willing to put themselves on their knees and find it. How many people here want to experience more of the grace of God? Once you jump to your feet, we're gonna pray all over this building, all over Shoals and Lawrenceburg. Heavenly Father, we love you, God, and we, come on, will you lift your hands with me? Father, we're so thankful for the grace we already walk in. God, it's, it's your grace that we woke up to today. It's grace that puts breath in our lungs and strength in our body. Lord, so many of us today, God, we stand here as children of God. We're forgiven, and God, that's all grace. God, that is your saving grace. We could never earn your love. You gave it to us as a gift. And Lord, special grace, what makes the impossible possible, what makes miracles happen, what makes strength to sustain possible. God, it's all your special grace. And Lord, I pray that all of us would hear today, it's available on an ongoing, daily, consistent basis. It can show up in every decision. It can show up in every situation. But Lord, only if we put ourselves in the place where you're working. So Father, help us. Help us to hear your voice. Help us to lean in. Help us obey. Help us to trust just like the man who went and washed. Lord, all we're gonna do is hear you and we're gonna obey that we can experience grace in Jesus' name. And everybody who agrees said amen. Listen, just with your heads bowed for another minute, if you're here, you're not serving the Lord with all of your heart. I'm glad you're here, but I can't change you. And the music can't change you. And person sitting beside you can't change you. The only person who can change you is Jesus. And until you recognize he's the one who can change you, and until you recognize you're the person that needs change, it'll never happen. The Bible says we've all sinned. We're all broken inside. And Jesus came to be the savior of the world, including yours. And if you'll just ask him, he'll come into your life and he'll forgive you and he'll make you his child. 
So at all of our campuses, if you're here and you're not serving the Lord, and today you say, Pastor Steve, today I need saving grace. I wanna pray a simple prayer. You can pray your own words. You can ask God, God, forgive me. You can just shout it and he'll hear you. Or you can pray this after me. Say, Father, I'm thankful that you love me. I confess my brokenness and I confess my sin. I ask you to forgive me today, to come into my life and to save me. I receive the gift of salvation that I could never earn. Thankful today that I'm your child. Help me to follow you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, and everybody who agrees said amen. Come on, can we give God praise for the word today?